G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. So Glad went there and she found these 250 babies there, three to a cot. It was clean, but it was not loving. And she's a loving person. And she tried to particularly work with the 18-month-old, two years old, even up to the three years old. And it was beautiful for her. The only challenge for me was she'd come home crying and said, can't we adopt a dozen of them? (laughs) The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, on the last couple of programs, we've been talking to Bill Forward about his and his wife Glad's life journey. And as we've mentioned previously, you may have seen them featured on the 60 Minutes TV program a few years ago as they did a segment on them called For Better or Worse. It showed how their love has endeared for over 50 years of marriage and how now Bill lovingly takes care of Glad, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2004. When we ended last time, Bill told us how their time as missionaries in India had come to an end in 1978. And that's where we'll pick it up today, as Bill will share how their adventures continued once they returned to Australia. Once again, Bill is chatting with Eric Scadabo from his home on the Sunshine Coast. Bill Forward, welcome back to the program. I'm delighted to be back. Yes, uh, leaving India was a very sad time for us. It was our home, our brothers and sisters in the Lord were nearer to us than our own natural brothers and sisters. We'd spent 15 years with them and Mm -hmm. uh, it was just lovely to be with them. But coming back was under God's control and God's direction, we believe. And uh, we went to Perth and we spent time in Perth. It wasn't an easy time because of the cultural changes that had happened in Australia while we were away, but not only cultural changes, uh, even practical things. For example, when we went to India, it was pounds, shillings and pence, but when Mm. we came back, everything was decimal. The service stations no longer served you. Everything was now self-service. In the stores, there used to be girls who would help you find things that you wanted. Now they no longer were there. They were simply checkout chicks from then on. (laughs) And so all of these things were difficult. And really, for Glad, it was just impossible for her to accept that when you went into a shop, there were 24 different kinds of tea and so many different (laughs) kinds of every single item. There was confusion. Honestly, she went into a culture shock with that, almost a panic. She just wouldn't go into a a shop for that kind of purpose. Too many options. She just did not know how to cope with all of those options because having lived in India, there was tea, you could get it, but it was one brand of tea and there was sugar in a a way, but not half a dozen different brands of sugar and no sugar cubes or any of that kind of stuff. So that was a really difficult thing. And for me personally, 
as far as the spiritual side of it, I had been used to people who hungered for the Word of God, longed mm. for the Word of God, yeah. would ask me to preach for an hour and a half. If I did less than an hour and a half, they would be complaining. Oh, wow. And yet I come back to churches where I they ask me to travel halfway across the city and say, no more than 30 minutes or 25 minutes is all you've got. And, and to me, this was a, a negative feeling all the time that mm. in Australia we've become wishy-washy in terms of our commitment and faith and it seemed that people more interested in sport and other things and material things than they were in the things of the Lord. So for me, the, the culture shock was very great. The other thing that was strong was that in every time I'd go into places in India, homes were open. They welcomed you. When I came back to Australia, homes were not open. They were locked, and very often nobody was there because mm. everybody's out chasing their career. So it wasn't an easy transition back to Australia and it wasn't all that long because I ran foul of uh, some issues in the churches. I was wanting to evangelize, but the church I happened to be going to didn't want to evangelize. They struggled with what I was suggesting. I struggled with their reticence. And ultimately, it came to a head and we decided that it was nothing more we could do there. We would move to South Australia where I had been invited to help a growing church and yeah yeah sorry yeah let's just back up a bit so now going back to when you're in india the whole reason yeah. why you relocated to the perth area yeah. was because yeah. you were invited to be the pastor there absolutely but when i got there i found that there was a divided leadership i found that some of them were very legalistic uh, had very mm. limited preparedness to accept any kind of uh, suggestions for change. Um, I mean, simple things. For example, I began a youth group and we had over 25 young people coming to our home in this youth group. It was lovely. I, I felt mm -hmm. there was a real progress. There was a commitment from these young people to come. But then uh, a few of the more conservative leaders of the church said, uh -uh, you can't do it in your home. You have to only ever do these things in the church building. And to me, that was nonsense. But for them, mm -hmm. it was a very big issue. And, of course, they were quoting some scripture from the Old Testament that we must only ever do these things in the place where the Lord has placed his name there, oh, wow. quoting Old Testament scriptures to try and regulate who did what where sort of thing. And and they were the kind of things that I really struggled with because I, I'd been used to such a hunger for God's word, such a desire people would sit under a tree if need be. There was none of this kind of uh, uh, limiting legalism, I guess, is the right mm. word to call it. And, and to me, legalism is an awful, awful thing. I've struck it everywhere. But anyhow, the long and the short was after two and a half years, I decided that there was little I could do there. It did come to a head at a, a series of meetings I'd taken. And so I responded to a call from a church in Adelaide, and we went there at the beginning of 1981. And for me, it was a refreshing change because here was a church that was evangelizing and were longing for that. They mm. were having many people being converted and they asked for my help to teach these new believers and to help the church grow. And it did grow in Adelaide. And we were there actually for a total of 15 years, although after 10 years, I asked for a sabbatical just so that I could re refresh, but also I could meet other needs. And one of those needs was a request I'd had from the Kimberleys from three friends of mine who said, look, one of the things we need is a Bible school 
for illiterate people in the Kimberleys, and it's for the old people. Mm-hmm. Part of their culture, as I was un- uh, given to understand, is that you shouldn't be teaching youngsters before you teach the old people. The old people need to know what you're about to teach the youngsters. And so I responded by saying, well, I'm in a sabbatical year. I can give three months to this project if that will help you. So I went up. Glad came with me. She didn't stay because our children needed her at home. Mm-hmm. But uh, I stayed in the Kimberleys with some friends who were missionaries to the Aboriginal folk up there. And it, I have to say, it. I can look back over many years of serving God, but that three months is like a highlight in my mind. Oh, is that right? Why is that? Well, here I am with a group of people who have knowledge of the Bible, but it's a piecemeal knowledge of the Bible. But anyhow, I asked them, how do you remember everything? You keep talking about your grandfather this and your grandfather said that. How do you remember your tribal story? And they they said, oh, that's easy. There was this grandfather, then there was that grandfather, then there was that grandfather, and then and so I could see very clearly that the whole of their story was a chronological story. Hmm. So that's yeah. what they needed. Mm-hmm. So I suddenly realized that the way I could help these people was to go into the town and buy <laughs> 11 meters of lawn. I think I took all that the shop had. (laughs) Lawn cloth, a white cloth, which is 90 centimeters wide and 11 meters long. And I began to draw God's story in stick figures. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm no artist. Uh, (laughs) No way in the world am I an artist. But I, I drew this and the only words on it were God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in a circle. Mm-hmm. with all like yellow and and I did this with pastel colors and things like that. You can imagine what I then did through the Old Testament, right through from the creation, chased out of the garden, the flood, the Tower of Babel, then the divided kingdom, the prophets, uh, somewhere or another. Obviously, I couldn't do every single thing, but the main highlights of it all, and my good friend John Braden, who was the missionary that I was staying with, he guided me and his wife also guided me. And he said, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get some poly pipe and I'm going to wrap up your 11 meters of cloth around this poly pipe. Then we'll get some electrical flex and run it around the steel beams and what you can do is pull out a meter of your story and teach them that meter today mm. and then next meter the next day until finally you've got the whole of the th- the chart out that's great that was magic for those people they mm-hmm. just loved it and i would say to them now i'm telling you what bible said about god's story you go and you talk about it you see what it means for you. And the ladies went over there and the fellows went over here and they were chattering away in their in their own ways, their own languages. And all of a sudden, one of them I'd noticed would jump up and walk over and with his fingers, he'd point at this chart thing I'd made and he would say, yeah, that's when it happened. And one day, one of them came to me and he said, come with me. And he took me over to the chart and he showed the Tower of Babel to me that I'd tried to draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, I don't think it's art. This is not art. I mean, I, a very childish kind of drawing. Mm-hmm. But he took me to the Tower of Babel and he said, that's where our grandfathers got deceived. 
that one. Mm. We know Adam and Eve's story. It's in our story. We know the flood. That's in our story. Mm. We know those things. But that place there, there, that's where our grandfathers got deceived by Satan, and we've been going the wrong way ever since. So for me, it was just a magic experience to see Mm -hmm. the light come into the minds of those people. And having done that particular chart, then my friend said to me, well, can you do one of Jesus just the same? So I did one on Roke's Gospel, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, Val Braden said to me, do you mind if I copy it? And I said, of course not. Uh, I've done it for you. This is a work you know, for the Lord. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm going to make six copies and I'm going to send them around to the various churches in the north, in Northern Territory, even North Queensland, so that when the pastors are preaching, they can point to where on the chart the story that they are, the thing they are teaching fits into it, especially when you're talking about individual stories like the prodigal son or something like that. Where does that fit in? So that was a great experience for me. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is once again chatting with Bill Forward, who's been sharing with us his and his wife Glad's life journey in a series of interviews. As we've been hearing, they've gone on many adventures for the Lord in many parts of the world. We'll hear more of their story and how the Lord led them to Romania when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Bill Forward about his and his wife Glad's life journey. As we've been hearing, they've served the Lord in ministry in many parts of the world. Coming up, we'll hear where the Lord led them to next. And then eventually you went to Romania on missions trips? Yes, but also I did do a few trips back to India, taking young fellows. I think Mm -hmm. I probably mentioned that. Mm -hmm. They went to India with me. They're all now in different ways serving the Lord. Then what happened was that... After that um, trip to Kananara, I still had a couple of months of my sabbatical to take place, and I came back to North Queensland and went down through all the churches of North Queensland that I'd had previous contact with at different times. And then I stopped in Brisbane, and while I was in Brisbane, I received what I believe to be a a Macedonian-type call. Now, what does that mean? Well, basically, if you think about what happened to the Apostle Paul, he was a bit confused about where he ought to be and what he ought to be doing. But when he went to a town called Troas, he saw a vision. And in that vision, a man from that area called Macedonia said, come over and help mm-hmm. us. And that's yep. how I felt on that day, because I was at a missionary, one of those missionary meeting type things I mentioned earlier on. And this was the call. And my name came up in uh, as a suggested person who could go to Romania. Now, what had happened in Romania was that communism fell. Mm-hmm. And up to that point, communism had been there for 50 years. Bibles had been forbidden. 
Only old people were allowed to go to church. There was no Sunday school, no youth group, no youth meetings. It was absolutely forbidden. And the aim of the communist regime was that when the old people died, well, that would be the end of Christianity or religion as far as they were concerned. Mm -hmm. But what had happened was that communism fell. If you recall, there was a revolution there. The president was killed, Mm -hmm. was murdered or shot by the military, actually. And then there was a great revolution against the whole concept. And there was an incredible sense of confusion. These young people, university people, had all been, been brainwashed that, socialism and communism was the only thing and evolution and all those other things that are thrown in together and that religion was the opiate of the people, as somebody said, mm. and they just, well, they were now shattered. They, mm. The bubble had burst. Yeah. What they had built their whole lives on was burst. So they flooded into the churches, absolutely flooded into the churches, and they were saying, tell us what, what it's about. We want to know. Communism has failed us. Is there anything in the in the faith that you people are talking about? We need to know. We have been taught atheism up to this point. It's wrong. We now need to know. Look, I went. They called me to come because I'm a Bible teacher by my spiritual gifts, and mm-hmm. and they heard about it. And so this was the call. Can you come and help us? But you have to come in winter. Why? Why winter? Well, it's so cold that you can't do anything else. <laughs> it's minus 25. You have a captive audience there. Absolutely. You can't do concreting. You can't do anything outside. You can't work on your farm because it's covered in snow and ice. And so in winter, they said, we've got six months in which we'll have this Bible school. They called it the Golgotha Bible School. They asked me to do six sessions a day, six days wow. a week for six months in the year. Well, talk about. Bible teacher heaven, that that for me was absolutely wonderful. And I divided the day into different segments. And uh, those Bible teaching segments where I I did a survey of the Old Testament for, uh, for an hour or so in the morning, then I taught something of the Old Testament doctrine in the morning, and then in the afternoon I taught from the New Testament. And so the days were filled. It was just a wonderful thing. So I had 60, 70 young people and sometimes older people and sometimes existing pastors came. Uh, But by by and large, for the next six months and over several years, uh, that was really what I absolutely loved to do. This six months was so, so beneficial. So while you were teaching the Bible in Romania, meanwhile, Glad was involved with orphans. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, we had heard before ever we went that there had been, after communism fell, an awful scandal about what was happening to the orphans in Romania. There were Many of them were being injected with the same needle, and then a lot of mm. them caught AIDS from that. Oh, and wow. and uh, it was a scandal that was going around the world about mm. what was happening to the orphans. And Glad has always loved children. She's always worked with children. She's always had the heart for winning the little ones and loving the little ones to the Lord Jesus. And Mm. so when I went off to my Bible college and was teaching, she said, what am I going to do? I said, well, she said, I want to go and find an orphanage. And she did. In our town, which was a town right in the center of Romania, there were uh, an orphanage for little children, six weeks old till three years old. There were 250 orphans 
when I say orphans, I'm not sure that's the right word. They were really abandoned children. Mm. What was happening under the communist regime, any kind of family planning of any sort was totally banned. So women were having very large families and many of them say, well, we just can't cope. We can't bring up these children. We can't afford to. So Mm. they were having their babies in the hospital and then getting up and walking out. I can't think of anything more unnatural for a mother to walk out on a newborn child, but Mm. that's what they were doing. Mm. And so these children had to go somewhere and and where they went to was this particular orphanage when they were six weeks old. And so Glad went there and she found these 250 babies there, three to a cot, um, being Mm. given three nappies in 24 hours. Uh, It was all regimented ritual. It was clean, but it was not loving. And Mm. she's a loving person. And Mm. she tried to particularly work with the 18-month-old, two years old, even up to the three years old. And she would want them on her knee, but they didn't know how to cuddle. She would come home crying. Mm. They don't know how to snuggle. They've never been loved. No Mm. one has ever shown anything to them. And she'd go in clapping her hands, everybody clapping, even though they didn't know the words that she was saying. They'd all just perk up and they'd, they'd sort of come to the edge of their cots and because they were left in the cot all day long. She mm. wanted to put them on the ground with her on a mat and play with them. No, no, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You mustn't do that. Mm. So she was frustrated a bit, but still she's got her way and she got these children smiling and laughing yeah. and and it was beautiful for her. The only, the only challenge for me was she'd come home crying and said, can't we adopt a dozen of them? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, it would be lovely to do so, but uh, really not very practical at this Mm. point in the stage in our lives. But anyhow, that was what Glad did. But anyhow, we we were... I talked about our faith being challenged when we were in India. Well, our faith was very, very challenged when we were in Romania as well. In the middle of all of this, in it was in 1995, she said to me one day, I think I have a lump on my right breast. Mm. And it was a shock because we never thought of anything like that. And you have to understand that under the regime, everything had collapsed, everything. There was no private doctors. There was no private chemists. There was no private anything, motor mechanics. There was no private, there there were no private shops. It was chaotic, absolutely chaotic. And so here she is now with a suspected lump in her breast and I realized that something was terribly wrong. So what do we do? Well, I had seen somewhere a sign which said X-ray clinic diagnostic center in the town somewhere. The town was about 300,000 people, quite expansive, but I didn't remember where I'd seen that sign. So I went looking for it and I walked everywhere looking for that sign and I could not find it. She was getting more and more distressed But anyhow, we finally came to a day when she was so distressed, I was depressed because I couldn't find that place. Mm. And I said, well, maybe we've been trying to do whatever we're doing in our own strength. You know, and I know, I said to her that we've always lived by Proverbs where it says, in all your ways, acknowledge God 
and he will direct your path. Don't rely on your own understanding. Let God show you the way. So I took her in my arms and I said, I'm praying that prayer right now and I'm going to leave you here while I go out and I'm asking God to direct me. Mm -hmm. So I did leave her and I walked and I walked up a street I'd been up a hundred times and there I saw an A4 sheet of paper tacked to a door which said, Dr. Daniela Popescu, medical specialist. And I looked at it and I said, thank you, Lord, thank you. Mm. Went and knocked on the door and an old man answered. And uh, I said to him, because I'd learned a little Romanian by the time, is the doctor in the house? Da, yes, he said. I said, can I see her? He said, come back at five o'clock. So I took Glad back at five o'clock and this doctor, she was lovely. Her English was excellent. She examined Glad and she said, definitely suspicious, definitely a problem. Oh, she said, uh, look, I'm begging you, do not do anything here. We are good doctors, but the whole system has fallen in a heap. There's no sterility in our hospital. The x-ray machines don't work anymore. Look, she said, go back to your country. You, you have good health there, but here we're good doctors. There's no doubt about us as doctors. And I agree, they were great doctors, but the system had failed. Well, I said to this in, uh, Romanian lady, the doctor, I said, do you mind if I get a second opinion? And she said, not at all, not at all. Well, that was part four of Eric Scadabo's series of conversations with almost retired missionary Bill Forward. As we just heard, they were on the mission field in Romania when Glad discovered a lump in her breast and they needed to have it checked out. Next time, we'll hear the incredible ways that God supplies their needs as they seek to get Glad medical attention. Also, we'll hear about the changes that have come about in their lives since Glad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2004. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today, I just want to share a verse which applies to Bill and Glad's predicament at this point in their story. It's Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 which says, My God shall supply all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Well, thanks for joining us for part four of the Bill and Glad love story. We invite you to join us next time for part five. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. She had the surgery and it was just God. Everything was God, God. For me, all I can do is say, praise God. So you can imagine how that then affected me the day my beautiful wife ran to me and said, I've got Alzheimer's. What's going to happen to me? Bill Forward's wife, Glad, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2004. Bill joins us once again to share more of their life journey and about some of the challenges they've faced in over 50 years of marriage. Also, he'll share the links he's going to to make the most of their remaining years together. That's more of the Bill and Glad love story next time. The story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.